0: I'm Fine Pair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Traball, And this is the Fine Pair Podcast. And Zach, you know, I mean, we got a, we got a cool new co-host joining us pretty soon.
1: I know, so it's we're gonna exciting. Add
0: to the, we're going to add to the fun.
1: Yeah, we're going to make uh, Nick's job a little bit harder, which is always a plus. And then, uh, yeah, and and get, uh, get a different perspective so that uh, it's not just you and I sniping back and forth at each other the whole time.
0: Exactly. Now I don't want to give away who that person's gonna be just yet. Um, but you know, as as loyal listeners out there, I think everyone's gonna be pretty excited about who we're adding to the show. Um I know that we are. Yep. Um because as we said, you know, it's it's fun, you know, to always be right, Zach, but I don't I need someone else to sort of also be right compared to you. So we need two <laughs> rights and one wrong. Uh so I am I'm, I'm pretty pumped for that.
1: Fair enough. All right. Well, we will uh we will see where our our new uh, co-host lands on many of the issues that we'll be talking about, and we'll see if they uh, they agree with me or you. More often, we'll we'll find out.
0: Well, I mean, they will have to sit next to me, so I'm hoping they agree with me more than they. Agree
1: with you. <laughs> I guess that, <laughs> I don't know if that makes it. I don't know if that makes it more or less likely they'll agree with you. Frankly, having sat next to you before. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> So uh so so our Super Bowl pick came right. We got it right. I think that's good for both of we us. We did get it right. We did get it right. I, I think that was good. How did your that party good. go? Um
0: The party was good, man. Thanks for asking. Uh I made some delicious food. Cool. Um, which was a lot of fun, like a French onion dip. Oh, nice. That was pretty tasty. Not with a not with a mix either. I like sauteed some onions for a long time. And then mixed them with some sour cream. Oh, it was delicious. And then uh, pimento cheese, because nice. I always had to do pimento cheese because I'm from the South. Yep. So that was tasty. Um, and then I made some chili. And I made seven-layer dip, because you know how we do. And then I actually like went completely non-Super Bowl and made uh, a butternut squash dip from Otolenghi's. uh <laughs> oh, there you go. You know, like, <laughs> plenty. So I went real bougie, too. Yeah, um, we got to have one Because I those. live in Brooklyn now. Yeah, Exactly. You know, like, you got to go, you got to go Brooklyn Booge. Like, yeah, it's exactly. just how you have to do it. It's like, oh, we live in Brooklyn now. Definitely got to make something from, from plenty. It's like either that or, uh, Allison Roman. If you make like any, like those are the people It's like, oh yeah, you definitely live in Brooklyn now. Yeah. You definitely live enough. in Brooklyn. So, you know, it was, it was good though, man. Uh, a lot of fun. People brought, uh, cool beers. Um, it was, it was interesting to see that like the you know, what people bring sort of changed with the with the with the trend. So like there's a lot of people that brought lots of hazies, mm. Tons of hazy IPAs. Um and really like some people who I like didn't know a lot about people was like, oh this was just like what was there and the can look cool. Uh so, <laughs> yeah. so I thought that was funny um good amount of wine was consumed as well but not as much as the beer i think a lot of people again just like think that beer is what you drink yeah you know so i offered wine i was like hey guys anyone want some wine or whatever people are like no 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 man just want this beer yeah
1: um so it was it was fun what about you what'd you do you know it's one of these downsides to being the uh the parent of a small child is uh we're a little he's a little too young to uh to attend super bowl parties and not turn it into a scene so uh we were uh, we were at home, uh, and I, I got to be honest, I only caught a little bit of the game. We actually went out to uh, to dinner, uh, my wife and son and I, uh, and so I was able to catch the the tail end of the game, the most exciting part uh, on TV, which was kind of nice. But uh, yeah, it was pretty casual. Um, you know, I it would have been I was I would have been excited to watch the game had it not been uh, a little more complicated. But uh, but you know, it's just one of those things with with a the child uh, they. They make sitting in front of the TV for four hours pretty damn difficult unless you're watching exactly what they want to watch.
0: <laughs> well, we we forget too, you know. We were talking about this uh, here, you know, on the best coast uh, that you guys you guys get the game at three thirty. Yeah, so you, it's like really all up in your day. Yeah, you know, like so I could see why that also makes it harder. Where so, it's you know, we got the night time. Like you could have put you could have put little soldier ball to bed. And then you could have hung out for like at least the half, but like it's he's true. like wide awake at three thirty, probably like ready to go. Yep. And uh, yeah, that you're just again there's a co- there's a coast that we all have a time zone that we all go ar- around, and then everyone else has to just deal with our our schedule. But I guess
1: I don't here. know, man. I will tell you that I I well I well that would have been nice. That a lot of the time I having lived on both coasts and, and as a big sports fan, I really appreciate the timing of most things. Here on the West Coast, because I really I do not miss up staying past midnight, staying up past midnight for like important games that are not the Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> it is pretty funny though, because uh, two people at my party did say it, like, "Oh, it's you know, it's kind of nice to get to wake up and have breakfast and watch football." And I was yeah. like, "Don't say that! <laughs> get the fuck out of my apartment!" There you go. Uh, but yeah, it was it was cool. So, um, you know, this is a big week for 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 the restaurant biz. Yeah, uh, we're, we're getting back into. Uh, a week when we start making some real money again, and that's because uh, this Friday is V Day. <laughs> oh One goodness, of, you know, here it comes so many people's favorite holidays. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The, the the land of the price fix menu, the land of you know reservations that people have had for the last three months. Uh, you know Valentine's Day is just like literally. You know, it comes two weeks later, but it's the restaurant Super Bowl, yo. Exactly. Time to go. Also, most most restaurants actually hate it. <laughs> like actually really hate it. Uh Keith is sitting here, uh, you know, running the board in, in our podcast studio. Basically, the only dude I have PTSD from, from running oh, Valentine's yeah. days at my restaurant for ten years. Keith, my sympathies. Um, but that's all that's all we're talking about, right? We're not talking about the 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 whole thing. I think one of the questions we had as we were getting ready for this podcast, right? It's like why is there not a Valentine's Day drink? Mm-hmm. Right. So like you have all these other holidays that seem to have like something that they've become known for. So, uh, you know, when it comes to Thanksgiving, we really, we have like the Beaujolais and like the Pinot Noir really is like the, that we think of, we should drink around Thanksgiving. When it comes to, you know, new years, we have, you know, champagne when it comes to the Derby we have, cause that's a holiday. We have, you know, mint, julep, Cinco de Mayo. We've got the margarita again, weird holiday, but a holiday, you know, St. Patrick's day, we've got Guinness and, Jamo you know Memorial Day is like beer and spritzes and things like that 4th of July is all about just like that quintessential American bourbon and beer etc but when it comes to Valentine's Day there really isn't a quintessential drink so like what would that drink be and why don't we have one
1: well I think to start with the, the reason that I don't think we have a drink is that the Val like Valentine's Day has this this kind of n- element to it which is it's such a it's so oriented around dating right it's not I mean if there are definitely people who are like single I guess who do things on Valentine's Day obviously you know and then there's like sort of the ancillary holidays now like Galentine's Day and all that but but at its at its heart you know and you see this in the restaurants especially like Valentine's Day is couples go out and obviously like I said you get groups sometimes and they're single people or, or a combination of couples and single people or whatever but but it really is a couples' holiday. And because it's that, and because it's kind of about two people mostly, it isn't a sort of social drinking holiday the way that all those other ones are. And 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 I think those kinds of holidays lend themselves better to a drink or a couple of drinks that define them. Whereas Valentine's Day, because it is sort of a a um, that it's so kind of uh, tied to your relationship and the person you're with, presumably, it is really kind of about whatever you want to drink. I will say in the restaurants, you know, we've always tried to have, you know, cocktail specials that, you know, kind of veer towards pink and red because those are the you know, sort of the colors of, of Valentine's Day. And until relatively recently, like the options in that category have been pretty gross, frankly, um, you know, pink and red tend to come along with things that are sweet in the in the cocktail world generally. Um, and, and that that is that's always a tough sort of sell to the broader drinking public. Um but but I do think it's there's something about the fundamental fundamental nature of the holiday that means that it's a little bit tricky to to tie to a specific beverage because there isn't a social communal drinking element you know in the way that there is with virtually all of those other um, holidays. I will say too the other part of this in my mind is that the 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 drinking is a part of the holiday, but it's kind of secondary in a way i feel like i I think some of that's because valentine's day often falls in the middle of the week you know it's tied to a specific date not a not a day of the week and so whereas a lot of the other holidays either are a day off like the fourth of july or thanksgiving or and which is obviously also tied to a specific day of the week or are kind of you know fall into sort of a, a holiday time in general and are therefore kind of better lend themselves to a significant amount of drinking or we've just they're only about drinking in the public eye, like Cinco de Mayo or St. Patrick's Day. Valentine's Day can often be kind of a difficult time to really do much drinking because a lot of people have to go to work the next day if it's in the middle of the week. And even when it falls on a, on a weekend day like uh, it does this year, it's uh, it's still not – again, it's more about going out and maybe that comes along with drinking. And then like chocolate, right? Like it's not really – it's hard for me to even think we're gonna brainstorm on this episode, of course, but it's harder for me at the outset to say like here's a natural uh thing to combine with Valentine's Day I don't know what do you think?
0: I mean, wow, that was a lot <laughs> yeah, sorry I, I mean i uh I, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's hard because basically the only thing you really have is like if if you're with someone, maybe champagne. Like, or maybe some sort of bubbly that feels kind of romantic. Um, but then red wine, I think everyone pushes red wine because it's, like, red. Um, it's it's hard. I, I don't really know what you could name in a, like, quintessential Valentine's Day drink. And the other problem is that it's actually, like, I know that we all do it. But I know that you will, you may disagree with me, but I don't think that you will. It's pretty near impossible to actually pair red wine with chocolate Mm -hmm. like they actually don't go together we do it all the time because we're like oh red wine and chocolate that seems so romantic it's two things that like are so oh make me feel so good and i'm on a date and this is great and red wine and chocolate and can't wait i just rhymed that's right (laughs) but uh actually it doesn't work right because the the chocolate is actually pretty clashing with the wine and the sugar and even some of the the tannin in the chart the chocolate when it's dark chocolate it, it makes it really difficult and I know like everyone writes articles that it's possible even us, <laughs> yep. But it is actually very hard, and so I don't know if if then red wine is the perfect beverage for Valentine's Day because I feel like if you were to pick one thing that is known more than anything else besides roses as like the thing that people expect to have on Valentine's Day it's chocolate, mm-hmm. so. Then, what I think if we're thinking about what the quintessential drink is, it's like what drink goes well with chocolate. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, man, it is probably gonna be either a sweeter dessert wine, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Salturne, which most people don't know, nor do they want to drink, or maybe it's gonna be a cocktail. Yeah. I, you know, maybe Amaro. Amaro, well, bitter, but that could go, right? Yeah. Amaro could go with chocolate for sure. I just don't know if it's like red wine. Yeah. And it's definitely not going to be the bubs.
1: Yeah. Well, this is – so this is the point in the podcast where I bemoan the fact that Americans are, by and large, super averse to any kind of sweeter wine. Because I actually think that this would be the kind of holiday where where maybe not a true dessert wine is necessarily what someone wants. And I can, re- I can respect that, especially if you're thinking about having – it more with more like more than just an ounce or two of it as, as a part of a dessert. No, you know, I don't want to sit down and have a six ounce glass of port. I mean, I don't really know very many people who do these days. But but there is an opportunity here and, and I think actually a lot of there's a lot of interesting wines that could bridge kind of multiple categories here. I think of something like um, a sort of semi sweet sparkling wine from Italy like Brachetto D'Aqui or, or certain Lambrusco's that have some sweetness to them that could be really, really nice. They go well with chocolate. They feed into that sort of that bubbly, uh, you know, holiday celebratory feel. But the – the and they're made – they're red wines that are sparkling, so they they still kind of bring that. And and while I agree that still red wine, especially like dry red wine and chocolate is a really difficult pairing, um, stuff with a little bit of sweetness can actually really work well. Um I think like if you have to pick a red wine to drink with your chocolate, um, I would lean towards something like Zinfandel, which is often going to have some residual sugar in it, um, or Amarone or something like that, where you're getting a little sweetness that's going to not you know sort of accentuate the the sweetness of the chocolate, or you know conversely have the sweetness in the chocolate kind of accentuate the the tannin and the and the dryness of the red wine. But frankly, like I said, this would be a great holiday for all, for many of you out there who are probably making you know, the decision to have a lot of sweets anyhow to maybe just say, yeah, fuck it, we're going to go for it. And I'm going to try uh, a sweeter dessert wine, especially one that's made from red grapes, because they're going to generally play nicer with chocolate. I also think, you know, the other thing you said, you said tomorrow, I think that's a great option. If you if you are not interested in um, wine, I think, you know, the uh, thing that I think you'll agree with is also a great holiday for bourbon. I mean, bourbon and chocolate is, as far as drinks go, about as good a pairing as I think there is for chocolate, Um, and that can be neat. It can be in a cocktail form that's not, you know, maybe masking the the bourbon flavor with too much citrus, so maybe this isn't the right time for your uh, paper plane, but maybe it's a a good holiday, frankly, for, like, an old-fashioned, which obviously has a little citrus in it but not as much, or uh, a Manhattan or something like that.
0: I feel that. I also think it's a really, really good holiday for stouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for sure. Stout beer with chocolate—it's a great holiday for that. It's also warming. You know, like we're in the doldrums of winter right now. We're all trying to get out of it. I mean, look—I guess for certain places in the country, especially set the South, it's already starting to warm up. Like Those they're bastards. already thinking about spring. Like you know, we're going down to Charleston for the Wine and Food Festival. Is one of the event sponsors, as you know, I Zach, do, know. Uh, first and our listeners March, know March and our listeners know as well. Yeah, and it's already spring yeah. down there almost. You know, like it's crazy. <sighs> um, like I, I've seen people posting pictures where like f- flowers are budding and shit. Like it's crazy when, <laughs> when we're up here being like, God, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, uh, although it's been a super mild winter, so it's yeah. I, I think I think those are those are good. I mean, I also I will I, I will admit that I think a lot of the the beverages we did talk about um, are harder to find for most people. Sure. Right? Like I think Amaro seems like it's everywhere if you're probably in in new york i would assume seattle as well uh, i've seen it you know when i've been in like atlanta and stuff i think in other parts of the country so like uh, what's tomorrow and where is it right it's a yeah. it's a bitter like liqueur it's a blend of a bunch of herbs and spices uh, mixed with a base spirit some sugar etc that makes this like you know what's supposed to be a, a really nice digestif that settles your stomach during your meal after yeah. your meal um but you know like there's some that are harder easier to find than others right uh like chinar much easier amaro to find than uh you know some super obscure one montenegro another super easy one to find yeah uh, amaro montenegro uh others much much harder like like the ones that you know a lot of beverage consultants and uh you know managers in in new york claim to have found. like i found this one amaro <laughs> in napoli yeah. and you'll never ever get it yeah that's
1: super uh, useful to you know, everyone
0: so, I think you should you know think about that if if those those are the kind of brands you would look for if you're looking for a Um but yeah, I, I think there it's v-day is hard there's a lot of pressure among um uh, uh, you know during valentine's day i think like i think there's a lot of pressure on the part of like what do we drink and then also like how i feel when i'm at the restaurant uh there's a lot of pressure on the restaurant to mm-hmm. to provide there's a lot of like everyone is under pressure right especially if these are this is an early date you're for sure under pressure whether you're you know the person buying or the person splitting or the person who asked the person who said yes like there's just pressure across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, a, a lot of it can at least be calmed down a little bit with alcohol. So, <laughs> so finding the right drink is, uh, is important and finding that drink that hopefully, and, and you know, I think is the more I think about it, like, why do we need to have a drink that's quintessential for Valentine's Day? Like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. just drink what you want to drink, you know? Like, if you're the person that wants to have a nice beer or you, or you want to have that bourbon or whatever, then that's what you should order. I think you shouldn't feel pressured. Like, oh, my God, it's V-Day, so I need to order a really expensive bottle of red wine or I need to have champagne. Right? Like, I want to point out that if you come to my restaurant
1: for Valentine's Day, you should absolutely order a very expensive bottle of wine. But, But generally, I agree with you.
0: At oh, uh, your restaurant. Yeah, I know, because you're ready, right? It's like, <laughs> let's make that money. Let's make that
1: money. So, Adam, I have a question I mean, for you. I, yeah. So Go. H- here's the one that I think is maybe it's. I wasn't l- saying anything anyway. Oh, uh, that's okay. It's a little, it's a little, uh, it's maybe a little too cute, but why isn't the drink of Valentine's Day rose? I know it's not really the right season, but we've already talked about on this podcast that we don't think people should confine rose to, you know, only spring and summer. Obviously, there's a natural connection both with the color and you know rosé roses all that and frankly like it's kind of a fun thing it works pretty well with a lot of food i i, I kind of think if we're gonna push a drink on everyone for valentine's day and and i'm not saying we need to i i would go out and drink rosé for valentine's day like you're gonna feel celebratory in so, a way that you sort of do a sparkling one here's the
0: thing I'm pretty sure you were just waiting to th- whip that out there. Like, that this was the thing you were like, this was your aha moment the whole time. This is in your back <laughs> pocket. You are like, I'm going to throw out a bunch of other examples. And at the very end, I'm going to be like, but aha, no one's drinking rosé. Like, first of all, good point, touche. Secondly, why isn't it, Zach? Uh, if the marketers were smarter, it probably would be. I mean, I think if you look at data, there is a demand for rosé around this time of year because of all of the reasons that you've if you said. And if I were... Uh, Especially a company that made sparkling rosé, maybe mm-hmm. sparkling rosé champagne, or maybe rosé, not as much Prosecco, but Cava, things like that. I would push the fuck out of it right now. Yeah. Because you are right. It is the one thing people can look at and be like, oh, my God, this is like the roses I just got today. Yep. This is awesome. This feels super festive. I mean, this should be the holiday that rosé bubbly owns. Yeah, Right? Like, if, if, there's, if there's one holiday for rosé bubbly to own, it should be V-Day. And again, like marketers, I know some of you listen to the podcast. Where are you at with this shit? Yeah, why isn't you know? my inbox are you filled to with sleep this? On scrap? the job, are people are people scared? Do you not want to? Eat? Do you think you know? No one ever got fired for playing it safe. Like, stop playing it safe. Go all in here because the the whole thing is like you know. For once in his whole life, Zach is right <laughs> on this, guys <laughs> and gals. God. Zach is right. This should be a rose holiday, and if you were smart, you'd be spending it. So, yeah. I mean, I think I think very, very, very strong point, Zach. Very Thank strong you. point. And if anyone does do this, uh, just give credit to, to Vine Pair. Yeah. Uh, you can forget that it was Zach's idea. It was just Vine <laughs> Pair's idea uh, as a whole. Gotcha. Because we all know he was holding that back in his back <laughs> pocket just to be like, oh, no one was thinking about rose. you were, weren't you?
1: I, I mean, it was part of my prep for this episode yeah i figured i would uh, exactly exactly he's like he's got a note pull out rosé at the almost end of the episode no
0: one else has said it especially if adam has not said it yet
1: yeah can't front load these things too much man we got to keep people listening that's that's uh you know podcasting 101 so i do have a couple of points on this though that i think are are vaguely relevant one is i think oh i'm ready that i think one of the reasons why you haven't seen rosé champagne and other sparkling wines pushed is is So much of the marketing effort around sparkling wine is tied to New Year's Eve and trying to convince people to drink as much sparkling wine, especially champagne, but sparkling wine generally that time of year. And I think there is a fairly understandable kind of fear of like, okay, are we a month and a half later going to then sort of try and push the similar sort of angle um, whether that's a, a, someone in a PR company, that's whether that's the distributors or the beverage producers themselves or even restaurants, right? You know, that sparkling wine is a category that's continued to grow in popularity. So I think there's more and more uh, willingness. I mean, I will tell you, I'm doing a, a sparkling rosé uh, flight at the restaurant for Valentine's Day. So this is an idea that I've been thinking about for a little while um, for that very reason. Um, but I think that's, that's something that's uh, a relatively recent emergence in, in America generally that people are really interested in drinking sparkling wine, um, for more than just the, uh, you know, sort of end of the year toast and things like that. I think the other challenge is we're at this really weird time for Rosé in the marketplace, um, just in terms of the calendar, because you're at a point now where like for me, most everything that's available is still 2018, but the calendars turned to 2020 and most people are super sort of think of rosé as something that has to be hyper-fresh. There isn't 2019 rosé in the market yet, or if there is, it's only the the uh, very, very beginning of what's available, especially imports but um, but even domestics. And so it's just an awkward time for, uh, for some people to be trying to sell and, and maybe even to be drinking rosé, although I will say from my perspective and, and experience that if you're drinking a decent quality to a very good quality rosé, you're actually much better off drinking it with just a little bit of age. I think sometimes when we when we rush to get these wines on the market, we rush to get them in people's hands in you know the very the first the first time the flowers start blooming. If not in Charleston, then in New York or Seattle, we do those wines a bit of a disservice because they're just they're they're so free, freshly bottled, they haven't really settled down yet, they haven't um, matured fully. And if we can, you know, convince people that it's okay to drink 2018 rosé at the beginning of 2020. I think it's, they're often more tasty than they were, you know, uh, uh, eight or 10 months prior. And it will also, um, you know, be a, a natural fit for the holiday. So that's my pitch.
0: I, I you know, I think it's a solid pitch. Thanks. Solid pitch. You know, you came with your research, you came correct. I think you schooled some peeps. I, I appreciate it. That's good, man. Yeah. Well, you know,
1: like I say every Fair now much. and then, you do, you keep me around for a reason. It's not not just for uh <laughs> no. not just because uh, I not because 'cause
0: I'm no Nick. May I should not have said that you made a solid pitch there. I just realized I gotta
1: I'm definitely cutting this out ahead. and we we're, we're playing this on every episode. Nick Nick has it is gonna have it queued up on the uh, mixing board and we're just gonna drop that in every time I uh I make a suggestion going forward. So listen for that, people. <laughs> Nick don't don't do that. Remember who pays the bills.
0: Anyways, um so this was this was uh, this was this was good though, man. I think moral of the story is go out there, drink what you want this Valentine's Day. But if you are sort of wondering what it is you're gonna drink, I definitely don't think that uh, rose, especially sparkling rose, is a bad bet. And if you are a marketer or you work in the industry and you listen to this podcast, if you're a you know if you're on the floor, if you're if you're selling in, uh, you know, if you're helping sell this stuff on the advertising end get with the people, push this shit because there's a time here. This could be, this could be big pinks, big time. <laughs> exactly. and it's, it's the best way to go. It's the, it's the, it's the best way for it to go straight into, you know, the spring. It's, it, it, it just, it makes sense. Uh, You know, and I, I think I should see more of it. Like I, I feel like I should be walking by every single wine shop in the city and the window should be, should be full of pink bottles and it should be like, drink pink, happy Valentine's day or something, right? Like it just would, it makes so much sense visually. Again, you're welcome. If I've helped you do your job a little bit better today, please like this podcast. Give us a five star review on iTunes. Uh, you know, write a review, uh, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, maybe don't tell your boss so you can sell our ideas as your own. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, you know, thank you so much for listening in Zach, everyone. Happy Valentine's day, whether you're with someone, whether you're happy, single, whether you're, uh, you know, still searching, whether you, for whatever your relationship status is, I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, just go out there and have a good time. Um, it, you know, I stopped cel- celebrating Valentine's day a long time ago because <laughs> for me, every day is Valentine's day. Oh, Naomi must, must like be that. so lucky. It's like that. You know, I mean, she doesn't even listen to this podcast, yeah. so it's not like she heard this. <laughs> um, she's like, I can't. She's like, I can't hear your voice. Oh, so she yeah. told me, she's like, it she's like, it makes me, it, it gives me a lot of stress. My wife, my wife <laughs> does listen. <laughs> she's like, uh, she's like, she says, I want to, I want to criticize, and I just uh, don't. I so I, you know, I, it's okay, Naomi. Love you too, boo. Uh, and uh, everyone else, we will see you right back here next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the VinePair Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please rate us or review us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people discover the show. Now for the credits. The VinePair Podcast is produced by myself and Zach Jabal and is engineered by Nick Patrie. we recorded out of Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington, and also in our New York City headquarters. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair staff who help us conceive of the show every single week. Thanks again for listening.